spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, hello, hello, hello. My name is Jerry Abair, and of course we have another segment just for you, the fans. Talk a little bit about. Really, it's kind of the one. It's almost like Christmas morning for Cajun Nation, the beginning of baseball season. And of course, here I have my good friend, as you all know, the father of Section A, Mister Chico Rodriguez. Chico, what's going on, man? Hey, Jerry, man. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. So uh, talk a little bit about your, I mean, what, what are you looking forward to? What are, you, what are you excited about this year? I know it's been kind of an odd year, to say the least, not just in baseball, but across the board. Um, what, what's kind of uh, the thing you're looking most forward to with this upcoming baseball season? To actually sit in a stadium and watch baseball. That's, that's the <laughs> biggest thing. I mean, I, we haven't watched a baseball game since Pensacola, you know. Yeah. So. You know, uh, so, yeah, so that's one thing I'm looking forward to. Uh, I was fortunate enough to win the lottery this year for baseball tickets. Uh, so I feel very fortunate about that. Uh, I should have went by a lottery ticket the same day. Maybe I can become a millionaire <laughs> and donate some money to get that clubhouse built. That's but, right. uh, yeah, so I was able to score tickets this year. Not not in my actual seats, but close enough. But, hey, I'm in the stadium. That's all that matters. And I'm uh, looking forward to actually seeing seeing some live baseball. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that, you know, regardless of – I know it's going to be tough this year because, you know, we're used to a packed house. I mean, anytime you go to the Teague, oh, yeah. anytime you go catch a game, whether it's a midweek game against – even if it's against like an LSU or, or Tulane or whoever, or on a weekend if a Coastal Carolina comes to town, you know you can expect a regional-style atmosphere. And I think that's kind of – it's interesting because, you know – you know, last year when the season ended, it was one of those situations where, you know, we were just hoping for two or three weeks of a delay, and that was it. And then all of a sudden, right. a week later, conference after conference after conference started canceling. And yep. I guess at this point, even though we're not going to get that full solid regional atmosphere, I'm like you, man. I, I, dealing with everything we've dealt with for this past year, I'm just thankful to have some sense of normality just being in a baseball stadium and just being able to watch a baseball game. Absolutely. And, you know, I know a lot of fans out there, everybody looks forward to opening the home opener mm -hmm. uh, and opening weekend. That's always a big thing. You know, fortunately, this year we got to start on the road, which hasn't been done in a long time. But uh, the home opener is going to be a midweek game. That's yeah. never happened uh, <laughs> that I know of. But, yeah. uh, you know, everybody looks forward to the first weekend. Uh, everybody gets geared up, ready to go, man. And look, we, everybody's really excited. Even even the people that are that are not wasn't fortunate enough to you know maybe get their tickets or stuff, anything like that. Um, just understand that you know it is as what Coach Rob would say, it is what it is. Um, you know, and that the athletic department was really working hard and trying to fulfill as much as they could. So uh, fortunate to be to to have a season. Uh, fortunate enough to to have baseball in general across the country, college baseball that is, and uh, looking forward to having a heck of a year. 
No, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, having we had Kendall Rogers on um, a couple of weeks ago to talk a little bit about Cajuns baseball. But just having, like you said, having baseball in general, college baseball, you know, I mean, I, you know, of course, I'm personally I'm an, I'm an Astros fan. I, I like Major League Baseball, but I, I love college baseball. I don't know right. what it is, it, you know, and, and I just love collegiate sports in general. I love just sort of that amateur side to it where, you know, you play for pride. You play for school pride. You play for t- your city pride. You play for you just play for pride. And um, that's the beauty, especially, you know, one thing that we pride ourselves on at, at, at University of Louisiana is we're we're very blue collar. You know, our fan base is blue collar. The way we play is blue yep. collar. Um, and, and of course, you know, the at the the the. The environment and the culture that that Tony Robichaux created that has evolved with Matt Deggs, I mean, they're two peas in a pod, right? And so that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, But anyway, so let's talk a little bit about you. Now, most Cajun Cajun fans know who you are. They see you at the baseball games. You're the one in Section A screaming at the other team, having a great time, leading the cheers. Um, You know, Section A has become a really big staple of Louisiana baseball. Um, It's safe to say that you know, one of the things that people talk about when they go to a UL baseball game is to keep an eye on Section A, listen to the cheers of you guys, listen to the, you know, a little bit of the rowdiness. It's always fun. It's always clean. Talk a little bit about its beginnings. How did it start? Um, you've And talk a little bit about how you got involved with Louisiana athletics. Of course, I've known you for many years. We go way back. Uh, I know you're an equipment manager. You graduated from UL. But how did you evolve from being an equipment manager to being basically almost uh, sort of an unofficial baseball cheerleader? Well, uh, when I was an undergrad, um, I worked for Big Lynn as, an, as a student manager for football. And I did a couple of years with softball. I was a manager for softball in uh, 2003 uh, and 2001. Uh, both, uh, two, well, not 2001, but 2003, I made the College World Series that year. But um I was always a baseball fan. Uh, when I transferred over, I uh, that was the 2000 season. So coming in, I mean, the, the baseball team went to the College World Series that year. So mm-hmm. that was pretty exciting. And actually, you know, as we talk, and I know we're doing this on Skype and no one can see the video, but my phone is actually sitting on the Rosenblatt brick <laughs> that <laughs> was sold a couple of years ago to the teams that, that have made it to Omaha. Uh, and, and then at the bookstore ended up selling them. So it's pretty ironic that because I need to lift the phone up. So there it is. But anyway, um, <laughs> but while I was in school, I got to know Tony. I got to know Bab pretty well from working in the athletic department. And my buddy Trace uh, was the and Lyle Williams was the equipment managers for baseball. So we always, you know, we were always doing laundry together. You know, we always being late at the, at the complex, you know, uh, taking care of the t- teams and everything. So from time to time, we would help each other out, you know, as far as getting things done for each team. And then a couple of times I was able to travel with uh, Coach Robin M to uh, Houston for the first, I think the first couple of times they've been to the Shriners Classic in, in Houston at the Minute Maid. Uh, yeah. he, he, he let me go with them there. And then uh, I think I made a trip with him to Middle Tennessee one year uh, for a series. Um, and you know how superstitious Robe was, you know, if we swept every time, every time I was with him in the dugout. So I had to kind of go with him a couple of times, but, uh, <laughs> building that relationship with them. And then once I graduated, I ended up going to work for two other universities in the state of Louisiana that I'm not, I'm going to rename nameless, but they're located in New Orleans at Baton Rouge. And we're playing one of them this weekend in baseball. So, um, and we were, uh, 
you know, I was paycheck loyalty, obviously, but um, <laughs> I graduated in 2004 and then uh, stayed in touch with everybody, you know, people I knew in the athletic department, people, you know, my buddies, you know, that was still with the equipment staff and everything. So uh, being in the world of equipment, you see them all the time. Uh, I did it as a profession for a couple of years as well. And then um, in 2008, I was given an opportunity to apply for the position I currently hold now with the, with the University of Louisiana and got out of athletics and decided to move on the campus and do some do some other things and kind of learn learn the ropes of other departments and that kind of thing. So uh, once I moved back, I still stayed in touch with all those guys and everything. So uh, the one the one of the first things I did when I did move back and get settled and all that was I bought season tickets for baseball. And I had bought two season tickets, and one of my buddies, uh, Bam Williams, who was Lenny's nephew, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. him and I stayed friends, you know, throughout this. I've known him as long as I've known you, Jerry. Shit. So <laughs> uh, uh, when I moved back, I asked him, I said, hey, would you want to come to baseball with me? I'm getting two season tickets. I got an extra one. You want to come? And I'll sell you one of them, you know, I'll sell you with the one, the one seat, me and you go watch some baseball. Not a problem. So, you know, that was 2008 season, I think. Yeah, 2008 season. Yeah. And um, so we go, and my tickets were on the the third base side above the dugout because I wanted to sit on that side. Well, while we were sitting there, his brother, uh, Blaine Williams, was on the other side on the first baseline with some friends mm-hmm. and they called us and they said, y'all come sit over here with us. And, and back then that, in that 2008 season, that was the, the season after the, the big regional push, you know, over at A&M and all that. And then the attendance wasn't all that great. You know, the right. team struggled, the team struck was struggling and that kind of thing. So attendance wasn't all that, all that, that great. And so we moved over to, to the first base side and just kind of just hanging out with those guys. And there was a, about five or six people out there that kind of been sitting out there for the last couple of years. Most of them used to work at the Bulldog. Some of them, I think, still work at the Bulldog. <laughs> um, but they were uh, come out there and just kind of just start on getting on the other team and just started throwing jabs at them and that kind of thing. And, you know, it kind of caught on after a while, you know. Uh, so we started sitting out there. And then the next year, I bought my season tickets in that section. Um I stayed with the two, so it was me and Bam and a few other the same group of guys that were there before the next year, and it kind of just grew from there. Um, the heckling and all that kind of started that year more and more, and the teams and the players started taking notice of it, I guess, a little bit more with some of the stuff we would say out there. And uh, I'll never forget, I was I worked for the student union, so um, I was in the union one day. I was going, going to lunch in the cafeteria, at the time, and uh, Justin Robichaud and Alex Fusilier walks up to me while I was going in, and they grabbed me. They're like, Chico, I was like, hey, what's up, guys? What's your, y'all doing all right? Yeah, we're doing good. We're like, look, we love y'all over the weekend. Y'all were, y'all were just crushing Arkansas State all weekend because Arkansas State had came in that, that weekend, right. and they had, they had a center fielder that played for them by the name of Michael Faulkner, and we could never get that dude out. In four years – that dude must have, he must have hit 500 against us in four <laughs> years. I mean, the dude was always on base and he yeah. played center, he played center field for Arkansas State. And Jay Walker, to tell you the same thing, we could never get him out. Well, 
we were playing them at home, and on the Friday night, you know, like I said, the attendance was maybe a couple hundred people at the time. I mean, it wasn't a lot. And this was 2009. The team was struggling. And, and uh, he comes up to the plate, and he had these – the puka shell necklace is what we called it. Oh, you know, yeah. Like, like from the beach. You know, That was a style, man. You were cool yeah. if you had one of those. Right. So he'd come up to bat wearing that around his neck. So we started on the necklace. Well, a little bit later, I think Arkansas State was beating us a little bit. They went by a couple of runs or whatever. Well, the bus drivers would always usually – come up and sit on that side of the stadium towards the end of the game right. once they brought the bus back and all, you know. So the bus driver for Arkansas State walks up the ramp right there in, in Section A, and one of our one of our buddies looks down and tells the bus driver, hey, Faulkner was coming up the bat. Hey, go grab the car seat for, for Faulkner. Or go to something of that nature. So we were like, oh my God, that was funny. So we every time he come up to bat, we start chanting car seat, car seat, car seat, car seat. And he started hearing it and he started drawing back at us a little bit, which made it even worse. But the players, the UL players heard that and they started busting out laughing because he was only like five foot four, you know. Um, so that's kind of how it all kind of started, and then it just evolved year after year after year. And like the Austin Powers deal where you tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on and so forth. That's kind of how it all started. And then, of course, people started taking notice with me and a couple of other guys. They knew I worked for the university, you know, that kind of thing. And I started, you know, getting more information as things would go on and that kind of stuff. And then I started the, uh, the baseball fan page on Facebook. And uh, me and Tina Creel, who uh, Miss Tina used to work for the baseball team, and she kind of volunteers for them still. Sure. But has been has yeah. been a fan. She's been a fan of Rage Cage baseball, I think, longer than both of us put together. Yeah. So, uh, so her and I kind of run that page, and we started putting information out there because at the time, the athletic department didn't really have a Facebook page. Each individual sport didn't have a Facebook page. And it just started catching on. Well, the more stuff we put out there, the more information, people started taking notice, and they start seeing us at games and some of our are all the time chance you know we, we know strike three ball four that kind of stuff um you know we do the uh the center field song we change some of the lyrics in center field you know for us uh but for the most part you know john fogarty we didn't mess it up all the way in case you're listening but we would love to have you at the team one year to sing it uh, absolutely you know how, how awesome would that be but, Man, uh, yeah. you know, so, you know, we do do things to kind of get the crowd into it a little bit more, you know, uh, get in the team's head a lot. Uh, we've had I got so many stories of talking about other players from other teams, you know, from Troy to Little Rock to Southern Miss to Sienna when we played <laughs> Sienna. Uh, one of the relief pitchers uh, and I are friends because of the heckling we gave him when he was here. Um, you know, FAU was one of our favorite teams. Uh, FAU, one of the coaches sent us an autograph, sent, well, sent us, I'm going to say us, because it came to me, but it, it was to the group. Right. Uh, an, an autograph, FAU hat, you know, saying how awesome we were and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, getting on the first base coach is the biggest thing that we do. Uh, we, get in we the all, box. We, yeah, Stay in get the in box. The, get in the box, Why coach. You know? the box. And uh, 
one of the funny things was when we put the turf down, one of the things I would say was like when the coach was either out of the box, or he, you know how he spit seeds or something like that on, on the turf, I would yell at him. It's not paid for yet. We just put it down. We still got three years of payments left, so don't mess it up. You know, so each year my, it was like, we got a year of payments. It was almost paid off when we got to like the third year, you know. So, uh, but those guys enjoy all that. And after the game, you know, we'll go down and we'll shake their hands and, you know, talk to them and stuff. And, you know, South Al is one of our biggest rivals. And, man, when it's South Al week, it's it's always a big deal for us. Uh, South Al coach, uh, a couple of years ago, was setting up for tailgating uh, on Thursday night. And they were, they came in that night to go hit at the stadium uh, to take BP and practice and all that on Thursday night. Well, we were setting up and they were coming out of the cooking club and we were watching them. And that's when they had uh swaggy on the team from uh, Mandeville. It was, a couple he, years was ago. He, he was, was a pretty good monster. I yeah. tried to get him. To, I tried to get him to transfer. He wouldn't transfer though, you know? So, cause I told him, you know, we kind of need a center field at the time, but, um, when they were coming out, they were getting on a bus and stuff, and their coach, Mark Calvey, comes walking over to us like, this is big burly dude. You know, who is this guy coming over here? I said, shit, it's the coach. <laughs> and uh, he comes over to us, and he goes, guys, I thought y'all were going to come a little bit stronger than that. We're like, oh, don't you worry, big guy. We're coming Friday night. Don't challenge, worry. Challenge accepted. Yeah, challenge accepted. So, you know, we bring it, especially when those, when those boys come to town and and that kind of thing. So we, we've built relationships with other co- with some of the players and coaches and all that. And, um, you know, it's been fun. It's been a heck of a ride. And, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, we have a blast. We're all friends. We've gone from like five people to like 50. Um, yeah. You know, and it, so, it, evol- it revolves. I mean, there, yeah, there's different revol- people. Yeah. Each. You got, yeah, you got your like base. Right. There's new people. I feel like base. there's new people every year, you know, but, yeah. uh, People have taken a liking to us. We made a lot of good friends out there uh, at the Teague. My baseball family is my baseball family. I love them to death, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll give them the shirt off my back and as they would with me, you know. So other fans that I've gotten to know throughout the years have gone to a lot of games and that kind of thing. We build relationships and that sort of stuff. So, And that's the part that I like about it, you know, is getting to know other people that go to games all the time and not just right. us, you know. And um, – it's great, man. It's awesome. So you know, that's kind of that's kind of how it started and how it's going and kind of how it's that that thing that they were doing, how it started, how it is now. Yeah. That hashtag whatever they were doing, that's kind of how it is now. So you know what's interesting is, and that's really that's really awesome that that you and a few and Bam and and Josh and a few others started this because you know I, I'm like you know I, I don't sit in section A I'm more on the grandstand but I always kind of consider myself an honorary member because you guys always welcome me with open arms and right. you know when we're on road games I'll come sit with y'all every now and then but what I love is you know you're right I mean you, you the section section A has really evolved because you know as as much as we prod ourselves on our fanhood for Louisiana baseball you know, there were a few years where even when we were good, we would, people would be spread out. We, we would still, you know, we'd pack the stadium, but we didn't have that. Cons- we would have certain cheers from different sections, right? Yeah. Certain yeah. people would, you know, you got the turn, you got turn two in the grandstand. You've got some people out in, in the uh, left field bleachers that love to stomp on the bleachers on the last strike, you know, where you guys yeah. are in section A, you got your own chance. But I find that since you guys have evolved at section A, there's been more unison amongst the crowd, right? There's been mm-hmm. more unison amongst the, the fans, especially during regionals. 
Um, oh, God, I, yeah. I, I, I remember, I'll never forget, I believe it was Mississippi State, or it might have been the Super Regional in 14, the week after the Mississippi State Regional um, mm -hmm. at the Teague. And I believe a few guys from Section A had signs, and they would yeah. run around the stadium, and they had it all yeah. set up. What happened was um, Coach Babb reached out to me that year, and he asked me if I knew of anyone that they wanted to get for the regional. This was for the regional, mm -hmm. but we, we moved it through to the Super Regionals. Uh, he asked me if I knew of anyone that would be willing to start the Raging Cajun chance in the stadium. I was like, yeah. Absolutely. I said, absolutely. I'll find That's easy. People. That's easy. That's I said, easy. I'll do, yeah. I'll do whatever I got to do to get the crowd back. <laughs> so uh, I had a couple guys Trey Lemire, Brett Benoit, I think, well, two of them. Uh, and then uh, I asked Bab, I said, Bab, I said, in order to make this kind of official, you got some old jerseys they can put on just to make it look like that it's, you know, official. Some, yeah, official. Yeah. Kind. Yeah, it looks good. So right. we gave. Threw them some couple old BP tops or whatever. And uh, they were out there all weekend. And it was Trey and his buddies and Brett. And they would go out there and they start with the signs on one side and on the other and all that. And it made the atmosphere even more great. And that kind of stuff, we're willing to do whatever we got to do to get Mississippi State to bobble a ball, throw a ball forward, drop out, you know, get one past the shortstop. You know, whatever we got to do to get those, you know, get those extra hits and those extra runners on base and hopefully get some runners in and, and beat the other team. So I think I think what made uh, that year so special, besides the obvious fact that we were unanimous number one in the country leading up to that super regional was how that regional game. And, and I remember specifically seeing you that first game against Jackson State in 14, where we lost 1-0. <laughs> just shocked every shocked pretty much the entire college baseball world. You can wow. hear a pin drop walking out of the Teague that night. Why and, you got, why you got to bring up old stuff? <laughs> well, because it's what followed it. I mean, after yeah. what followed that game was probably the most fun weekend of UL, or probably the fun most fun week of UL baseball I've ever experienced outside of, you know, 2000 right. Omaha. Um, yeah, you, you come back, you lose the first game. You're the six. You're the sixth seed, national seed, and you lose to a four seed that basically shuts you out. And all of a sudden, the not only did the team respond, they 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 responded with a vengeance. You know, right. next day they beat San Diego State. Then they beat they win the rematch against Jackson State when Jace hit that grand slam that night. Uh, of course, because the game got pushed back. Remember, we had a rain right. delay from Saturday. Mm -hmm. And we played Mississippi State that night. And yep. to remind fans, that Mississippi State team was the national runner-up the year before. They had lost yeah. in the final to UCLA. Right. Their fans, okay, their fans are already complaining, oh, why do we got to go play in Lafayette? You know, they're too good for us, SEC, yeah. right? Right. And I'll they, never they, forget. they thought they should have hosted, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll never forget that night. Um, you know, I just remember the atmosphere. People, because remember, when the game was over, you had to clear the stadium. But right. I just remember after leaving the Jackson State matchup, cool. just the number of people just pouring into the Teague. And I'm I'm looking at and the time my wife and I were dating, I'm looking around like, oh, my gosh, like this is an atmosphere. Yeah. And that night we hung 15 runs on them. Uh, we just we I mean, we crushed them and that atmosphere hands down, like followed by the following night when we clinched the regional. I mean, and you yeah. guys had a big part in that. Y'all had yeah. a big role in that. But just. And it was and, unbelievable. 
And, and you got to give credit to that team that year. I mean, that team was resilient, man. I mean, no doubt. Those no boys, doubt. those boys, you know, you could punch them in the mouth, but you better, you better start running because they come in with a gun. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you ain't going to sneak up on them. And Jackson Snake that, that night snuck up. We actually talked about this this week, our little Section A group that we have on the group message. We talked about that, that dude that threw against us. See, Andy Grotus is what he did. Oh, so, everything was off speed. Yeah. Every, he was so, throwing stuff in the 50s. Right. And so, we couldn't and, hit it. And, 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 you know, it happens. So, whatever. You just come back the next day and you try to you try to – be better and when you have got to face them again you try to give them the knockout punch and that's what happened so um yeah we were fortunate to get out of that regional that was a tough regional no doubt i mean it really was and then going into the old miss super regional that year that 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 was even uh, more tough regional i think if we didn't have the rain the rain out this the sunday if we didn't have the rain out i think we would have won that super regional um after the, after the first night i mean when Shug hit that grand slam I mean, dude, you know, I'll be honest with you. I've always said, and I'm glad you brought that up because I've always said, like, you know, obviously we have not hosted a regional in Russo Park, the new stadium yet. But one thing is for certain. Um, I would say probably the loudest moment in the new Russo Park, in the new Teague, would be easily the midweek game, the double squeeze against LSU. Hands down. Oh, I mean, that, that was yeah. unreal. Yeah, absolutely. But that three-run bomb on that three-one count from yeah. Ellis for Ole Miss, where Suge hit it by the by the McDonald's pole yeah. to right field, and it's funny because I've actually seen. Sometimes I'll pull it up on the and the NCAA site still has the the highlights, and I see you. You're on the <laughs> rail. You get up, and I just see you walking to the rail, looking at the ball as it's sailing, and just watching the crowd reaction and yeah. the noise, like. I just, I fell, I remember, I think it was Jeffrey's Tapford that sat behind me. I literally high-fived him and I fell off my chair because I was just like, and <laughs> Kayla was going crazy. We we're all going nuts. But, you know, it's just unbelievable, man. And and I'm not, you know, of course we're bringing back memories, but it just makes me think like, can you imagine hosting a regional in this stadium, Ooh. the atmosphere and just that that intense environment that it would bring? I mean, and, we're, well, and you know what? I think we're very close. Yeah, we are. And, and and I can tell you one thing. The NCAA looks at a lot of that stuff, and they look at the past, too. I mean, before the stadium was redone, I mean, we had 3,700 people in there. And for a Super Regional, we had about 4,000. Yeah. So, and the stadium wasn't even done. You know, now <laughs> the stadium's, stadium's done, we probably can almost get 10,000 in there. You know, um, not that we can, but it'd be close. I mean, it, you know, a yeah. lot of standing room onlys and that kind of stuff, but we'll try to get every person we can in there if we ever get to that point again, which I know we are close. And I think we are very close going into this season, but they look at that stuff and they understand crowds. And Mm -hmm. when ESPN is broadcasting this stuff, they don't want a Sacramento state crowd, you know, nothing against Sacramento state and their fan base, but let's be honest. Okay. Um, they want to see the stands full, and I think Lafayette in general does that because this is a baseball town, no yeah. matter how you look at it. Um, you know, so they come out to watch baseball. So when that time comes again, you know, we we got a good opportunity to to host a regional anywhere down the road. You know, with the facility upgrades, the lighting upgrades that we did, 
you know, anytime we're in that in that talk or in that mix of the top sixteen, you know, there's a good chance Lafayette's going to host. You know, so yeah, and that helps. I mean, and, and you're right. I think I think the atmosphere, and plus we have a history now. You know, we yeah. we've hosted, we've we've. You know, we've been on national TV in our stadium. Um, right. You know, we've I mean, I think honestly getting that 16 regional, I think that 14 season bit played a big part because remember, it was between us and Southern Miss. I mean, yeah. some people thought Southern Miss would get that last spot and we got yeah. the spot and we got know? it. And yeah, I mean, another great weekend, another great uh, atmosphere. Of course, it was heartbreaking to lose to Arizona to find out they were one pitch away from beating Coastal. Um, yeah. But you know, it's it's crazy, man. Um, it's crazy how, you know, you, you I guess it's sort of like you like in the the, the you know, um, field of dreams, you know, build it and they'll come. I mean, that's what yeah. we've done with this stadium. And, you know, the from where we've come from to where we are now, I mean, you look at old pictures of the Teague back in the 1970s. It, it looked like it looked like a high school field with with yeah. the dugouts on the side. There was no right. bleachers or anything. And then all of a sudden you got that one little grandstand. Now you've got a minor league baseball park. You know, it's amazing. Yep. Yep. Um, it's only getting better. The, the bigger we are, you know, the more we can grow. So no question. And, and so uh, I kind of wanted to move the segment over a little bit, not too much, but, you know, adding on to what we talked about with the atmosphere, we got to experience a little bit of it last season. We didn't get to get, you know, the full, the full taste um, you know, the first weekend started with just straight up, just honoring coach robe. I mean, that was, that was what the first weekend was all about. It was very, it was a very emotional weekend. It was kind of an emotionally, emotionally draining weekend. Uh, we unveiled the statue and we, we did the, uh, the honors in the first game against Southeastern. And then we had the weekend against weekend series against, um, I believe it was Maryland. And okay. then we had another series against Sam Houston before uh, having to go on the road. And then the weekend at Coastal Carolina, they were in town, man. They yep. were in town. Yeah, they course, were. The baseball season gets canceled. Uh, you know, just in your opinion, talk a little bit about last year, uh, what you thought, uh, ha- you know, how everything went the first part of the season and, and how, I guess, I mean, the, really the, the big the big elephant in the room, I mean, even though we finished one game below 500, we had won six out of seven games going yeah. into that coastal series. And then all of a sudden uh, the NCAA comes out and is pretty much like, well, your, your season's done. Yeah. Um, kind of yeah, reminiscing that a little bit. Yeah. You know, just like any team, when you have a changeover, you know, as for a head coach and, and being in our situation is, is a lot different than a lot of other situations when it comes to that. But our situation for the last year, here, you know, try to find your footing. Um, I think it took a little bit of a little bit of, of learning, you know, some of Dex's system and that kind of thing. And as the season went on, they were able to, to get a little bit more better, a little bit more better. Arms got a little more better. And by the time we got to Pensacola, we looked like a totally different team <laughs> yeah. than, than we did the first couple weekends. And when we get back from that series, from that weekend, which was a great weekend, and beat Mississippi State, we lost to Stet, Stan, Stanford? Stan, uh, um, Sanford. Stan, yeah, Sanford. Sanford. And beat Michigan State and uh, I think Troy. it was 13. And Troy, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we go and we play Rice and we beat Rice, and then we play McNeese, and we just skull drug McNeese. So I'm thinking, like, going into the Coastal weekend, I'm like, hell, we may take two out of three from Coastal because Coastal was ranked. Right. If they were not ranked, they were getting votes, you know, so because they, they were bringing back just about everybody that they had the year before. 
And uh, we took two out of three from them that year. So I thought I felt very confident going in the conference that we would play pretty decent. And of course, when it all shut down, we would never know. But I like to think that we were peaking at the right time going into conference and, and getting that and staying that course and learning, you know, getting getting things going. I think I think the big thing that stuck out to me was, you know, look, you, you know, the first weekend, it's very difficult when you're replacing a legend like Tony Robichaux. I mean, you know, just I mean, he was UL baseball, for, you know, for 25, 26 years. I mean, he was right. the face of our program and it went beyond just being a baseball coach. Right. I mean, it was all about he always said he wanted to be honored as a man. And that's he was right. Yeah. He's, he's still honored as a man. I mean, it's not yeah. just because he was winning all these games. It was just the. He was the, you know, my dad actually said that he, Tony was the Bear Bryant of UL athletics when you really think about it. Um, yeah. You know, um, you know, he's, he had a tenure here. He's from here. He's a local guy, but he was one of the most selfless human beings that ever walked the earth. And, right. you know, of course, we still miss him to this day. He's in a, he's in a great place now, of course, up in heaven watching down on us. But at the same time, it doesn't change the fact that we still miss him. But, you know, when you go through something like that the first weekend and, 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 you know, I was, <laughs> we went we went over three i know tech pretty much destroyed us those last two games and and i just felt like the the, the players heads weren't there mentally i mean when you right. have to honor your coach and then you start the season you, you lose a few close games where you just couldn't get the bats going or your pitching is off and then all of a sudden you just turn it on and i'm talking turn it on looking like a team that in my opinion is a pretty much a typical mad Degs team right and Doing it with a bunch of guys that really were still trying to find an identity. I don't know about you, Chico, but that makes me very excited about this season because I feel like, first of all, you don't have to. You have a you. You pretty much have a full off season in spite of COVID, mm-hmm. and then you the emotional side of last season has kind of. You'll never forget Coach Rowe, but the, right. there's all the first time. Well, the first this, the first that without Coach, that's gone. Yeah. That's done. Yeah, that's gone. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lot more optimistic this year because I feel like it's a fresh start, yet we can sort of carry that momentum from where we left off last year. And really, we didn't lose. I mean, we lost B.Y., Brandon Young. That didn't help. Yeah. But apparently we got faith in the, the pride down the pride of uh, what is North Vermilion. North Vermilion uh, Parish, man. Yeah. I mean, Vermilion uh, Parish representing Friday night. So, so, so I mean, that, yeah. you know, going you know, going into the year, I mean, I think, you know, like, like you said, you had a full, basically a full off season to learn, to grow as a team and, and to get through all this stuff. And, you know, the more you're together, the better you are. And, right. you know, coming into this year, you know, with everybody that's coming back, uh, the, the people that, that moved on, you know, uh-huh. um, and the guys that are coming in to replace some people, man, we got a squad. I mean, I went. I went and watched the last uh, Fall World Series game. Me and a buddy of mine, popsicle, and uh, we uh, were sitting in the stands, and they were taking BP, going through their their BP rounds, and we were just sitting there watching. You know, and it was about thirty minutes before the game started, so they were finishing that up, and they were going to start the little scrimmage or whatever. And they must have went through two groups of of hitters while we mm-hmm. were sitting there, and I think it was five guys in each group i think so 10 guys hit in 20 30 minutes 45 minutes or whatever 75 percent of the balls they hit in the cage were back up the middle <laughs> and me and me and pop are sitting there going damn 
I was like, what? Shit, look at that. One. And then after a while, I looked at him. I said, how many balls have we hit the middle so far in this little round? He goes, man, a lot, T. So, <laughs> so I'm talking about 75% of the balls we hit the middle. It's something we haven't really seen in, in a long time. Guys right. staying through the pitch and that sort of thing. So I don't know if it was something they were working on at that moment of the, of the BP rounds or whatever, but they were hard. It was up the middle and, or in the gap. And I'm like, I like this, this, these sticks. I like the up the middles and in the gaps, getting the doubles and knocking one in instead of the big bomb. You know, you can get the bombs whenever you want. Let, let Fitzy go up there and hit his three-run homer whenever he gets up there. But the other guys just get on base. You know what I mean? So, but, yeah, I like, I like, I like this team a lot. I like the arms we got and the ones that are coming back. Man, I mean, our ceiling is very high this year. And we can make a we can make a run and surprise a lot of people, I think. And uh, the schedule is gonna gonna dictate that. So we'll see how good we we'll see how good we are. Yeah. So of course we start out against Tulane, um, and I'm looking at the potential Raging Cajuns lineup here. We got a bunch of new faces. Um, looks like we got catcher Drake Osborne, second baseman Sam Riola. Um, We've got shortstop. That's going to be an interesting one, replacing a Hayden, you know, legendary Hayden Cantrell, of course, now playing for, I believe, the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, You know, we got a replacement in Brett Borgogno. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we've got Kevin Fitzgerald at third base, Tyler Robinson at left field, and we've got uh, right fielder Carson Rocafort. And, of course, you've got the returning guys – you know, Drake Osborne's a catcher, Ben Fitzgerald at first base, um, Brennan Bro and Connor Kimple. These new guys, I would assume, um, I, I'm, I'm curious to see, can they, can, of course, with, with our hitting over the past five or six years, we've started off kind of slow. It's all it takes, right. us, takes us about two weeks to get our bats going. But it makes me wonder, under Deggs' system, now that, like I've said, they've had a full year under his system, how fast can we really get the bats going. Like you said, you've seen them hit it, you know, just mashing like crazy at practice. Right. Uh, do you think these guys can pick up, pick up this, this, the pace pretty quickly, or do you think it's going to take some of these new guys a little while? Well, I'm sure it'll take them a, a, a little bit, but I kind of look at 2013 and when Dex came in from at 2013, I think he came mm-hmm. in halfway through the season or something. They had a whole off season in 2014. We make a super regional leading the nation in home runs and yeah. bunt and bunt and bunt singles or uh squeeze bunts or whatever it was. Um, you know, so I think if you take from year one to year two, it, you'll see you're gonna see an improvement. There's no doubt in my mind that we're gonna be improved than what we were last year. And with the lineup that we projected lineup that we got, the guys that are gonna be playing, I mean, we're gonna be a scary team. And be a tough out, honestly. Um, and like I said, that schedule that schedule definitely is going to test us early and often, as they say. So I think our first, uh, let's see, uh, I think our first actual non-Power 5 team is Nichols March 16th. I think yeah. everybody else is Power 5, uh, besides Houston, Houston Baptist isn't. But, you know, um, but you got like Rice. I mean, Rice is – they're not as good as they used to be, but it's still rice, you know, man. Um, 
you know, Louisiana Tech, solid team last year. They made a regional. Uh, but would have made a regional. I think they made it the year before. Yeah. Um, you know, we got we got flagship, you know, next week. Uh, Tulane this weekend, which Tulane's getting votes. You know, they're, they're talking – they're supposed to have a good season this year. They may be they're, – they're a regional team. Southern Miss is a regional team. Um, you know, Houston Baptist is a regional team. TCU is a regional team. Coastal's a regional team. Uh, ULM, they're not really a team. Troy. But, um, yeah, Troy's another one. And Texas State, everybody's picking Texas State to win the Sun Belt. Yeah. So, I mean, you look – we got seven teams on our schedule that were – that either are regional or – or regional team in 19. And then you got those South Al in there who always comes in and gives us a run. So our schedule's tough, man. Our schedule's real tough. And I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good baseball. And we will find out how good we really are. Yeah, and that's kind of what the, my next point, uh, expectations. Um, you know, I, like I said, I expect them to sort of pick up from where they left off. Uh, one thing that Matt Deggs has brought to any of his teams uh, include grinding and, and just a solid attitude, just that killer instinct. Like you said, you know, if you you punch them in the mouth, you better run because they're going to come back with a gun. And that that's always been sort of that Matt Deggs philosophy of just, you know, don't, you know, he even said it one time in an interview, um, I think it was sometime last year. He's not the most analytical guy, even though you do need to kind of use analytics right. today. He's the kind of guy that he just kind of, what is there, it's kind of like what Mike Leach said about the weather. Is it raining outside? You know, <laughs> what's the wind looking like? And, and that's 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 Deggs. I mean, that's yeah, just he's, his, he's old school, you know. He's old school. He plays off of feel. Um, you know, the analytics part of it, I think, you know, goes to his assistants. Let his assistants handle a lot of that stuff and give him the information that they feel that's important to who we start this, to, you know, Friday. Or who are we going to pitch on Sunday? Or who are we going to pitch on Wednesday? Who are we throwing against LSU? You know, so I think he leans more on them to handle that part, that kind of stuff. And then he'll make the decision on what he wants to do as far as the rotation and the, the pitch counts and all that. You know, going into the season, you don't want to throw a guy's arm out, obviously. So, you know, uh, you know, I don't see I don't see uh, Dirk going, going nine innings on Friday, yeah. you know, so. um you know, so you got to kind of watch that because really what you're doing is you're building for May and June. Right. So, you know, you start off slow. I say slow, but you get get them in the routines and then you, you ramp it up later on down the road. So no question. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I find that, uh, you know, I, I kind of like the fact that in the beginning, you kind of you kind of play with the roster a little bit. You play with the lineup a little bit. I admire the f- and and because and one thing I'm excited about with this team is we got returning guys who aren't even starting. Yeah. I mean, I could just look. I mean, last year, if you look at some of these guys that made such a big impact at the plate, I mean, look at Julian Brock, Nick Hagedorn. You had you 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 had you know I mean of course Brandon Talley. I mean <laughs> Alex Haney. Yeah, and we got guys with solid experience who really aren't in the starting lineup as of right now, and that right. just tells me. I mean, that that's depth, you know. Of course, yeah. the best thing about depth is experience as well, and and we've got that. And it just tells me if these some of these guys who aren't in the starting lineup are getting passed up by newcomers. I mean, no telling what these newcomers can bring. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, that's awesome. That's huge. 
and, and, and this, this is your evaluation period, the first two or three weeks, you mm-hmm. know, so you evaluate who you got and who you can play and try to tinker that lineup enough to where you can get the solid lineup that you're going to be playing every day. And the, and the reserve guys that are going to be the reserve guys, you know, um, or barring injury, you know, someone gets hurt and then they just step right in. So you want to have that, that depth. I mean, I don't know if we have, I don't think we've been this deep in a long, long time. Yeah. Not that you I know, know of. Yeah. Um, you know, so where you can just move guys around the lineup, you know, I, I want to go back to 14 was, I think was the last time you can actually move people around anywhere in the lineup and we would still score seven runs, you know? So funny uh, story, yeah. funny story about that. I'll never forget. And I talk about this sometimes, uh, the game against, ironically, it was Tulane. It was a midweek game in 14 and we were number two, number three. I think we might've been number one at the time. I think we'd gotten up to that ranking and, um, we shut them out that night. Like it was 16, nothing. It was a blowout. I mean, we just destroyed them. I think that was Rick Jones's last season as their head coach, believe it or not. So, yeah. Um, and i by the way, actually me and Rick Jones go back a long way. Oh, he's a legend at Tulane, man. Two yep. Omaha appearances. I mean, the guy's a winner and he, yep. he did, a, I mean, he did a lot at that school for that, for that program as well. Yes, he and, did. Yeah, he you did. know, Rick, Rick's I, a I good was, guy. Rick's a good guy. I like Rick a lot. Yeah. Wish he's, him all the best in his retirement. Oh, no, no doubt about it. But uh, that year, uh, that was when I was working the games. Um, I would do the the, the pitch, uh, the McDonald's radar gun, and I'd come and um, we'd do the, the 50-50 and all that. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I think I was waiting by the dugout because we we're about to do uh, – there's like the fourth inning, I believe. And usually, the, I think it's the top of the fourth inning, I stand by the dugout with the contestant. Usually, some of them from Section A, of course. Yeah. Uh, and we'd stand by the dugout and – it was, yeah, it was top of the fourth inning against Tulane, and I'll never forget, uh, I think it was Evan Powell, like, was just kind of smiling. He walks by, hey, what's up, man, blah, 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 and he went to the bathroom. He went to go go to, go to the bathroom break. Evan Powell, so, both a trip. Good guy. Hilarious. He's like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, did not, no care in the world. You know, during the game, you just, you know, no care in the world. Right. Roe puts him in, like, in the eighth inning as a pinch hitter or something because we're up by 15 runs. Or, no, we're up yeah. by, like, 12 runs. Puts him in. The dude hits a three-run bomb over uh, the billboard, the car billboard in left yeah, field. He won a car that night. Yeah. Well, it just it, it it's it's that's what sums it up for me for that 2014 team. Like you just yeah. said, here's the guy joking with me, going take a a wee break, and then he goes back in the eighth inning as a pinch hitter. Eighth inning, hits a three-run jack. Yeah, three-run jack, and that just that's that's what I'm hoping we see this season. Now, obviously, I don't expect us to do you know, to be a 2014 team. But, I mean, to have that kind of depth is so important, you know. Yeah. I mean, 56 games is a lot of games for anybody. For anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, these days, you know, talking – I was talking with Jay Walker uh, a few about a month and a half ago. Uh, Big Tuna had his birthday party over at his house, and Jay Walker was there. And Jay and I were kind of talking because the schedule hasn't been released yet. We yeah. weren't sure what was going to happen, if we were even going to have a season or whatever. So I kind of got Jay's opinion about it, and he says, this is what I think is going to happen. I'm not saying it is, but I think what's going to happen is the conference is going to go to four-game series, no midweeks, and you're going to play 10 weeks and start in March. Is what kind of what he was hearing with other conferences sure. and stuff. And he looked at me and he said, the only team in the country that's built for four-game series is Louisiana. I said, yeah. you're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with, with the arms that we got – and and the the lineup that we're going to have with the depth that we have, I mean, we're built to pitch for four games in a row. Yeah. 
So no I don't know anybody else in the conference that is even close. Maybe Texas State and maybe South Al. And I, I got to give them a little bit of credit because they always got arms. But um, everybody else, you know, you're looking at Friday night, maybe a Saturday guy. Other than that, you know, a lot of teams in the conference is going to be um, struggling. Yeah, it's true. And and, and I think, um, you know, they got – I think it was it the uh, – is it the SEC that's going to a four-game? Or there's a few conferences, I believe. I think that, yeah, one of them is. I think it's SEC. Yeah, there's a few. There's a, there's a P5 conference or two that are doing that, and um, it's going to be interesting on pitching rotation. You know that that's that 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 can wear out some arms if you don't yeah. do it right. Uh, right. That's definitely a curveball, no pun intended, thrown into that rotation and uh, those lineups. But I like the um, logic. I like I like the, the the wording there, Jerry. Good job. Hey, you got dude. I, I got to add in some baseball puns, right? But anyways. I uh, I have to say so yeah we we expect some good things to happen this year I'm very excited um, you know year two under the Matt Deggs era uh, first full year when you think about it um, so with that said we've got tickets uh, I know they they came out they released the uh, stadium rules uh, so tickets um, you got tickets um, you know I know the process was tough on a lot of fans. Uh, I know it's very select and it's very difficult for sports like baseball because we sell out the entire stadium almost. Right. Uh, from what I understand, um, every ticket, no matter where you sit, of course it's by donations uh, for RCAF at that, yep. that hierarchy level. But I believe the prices of tickets were the same regardless of where you sat. Um, because I guess it's supply and demand. I want to say that you're limited with the seats, club level, patio. It's at around, I believe, I think it's about almost 800 seats in bleachers. Right. It's about 140 or 150 maybe patio boxes or suites. And mm-hmm. then there's 200. No, it's 280 suites, I believe. 280 suite seats and then 149 patio boxes, I believe which comes to – or Stadium Club, 149 for Stadium Club. And then there's Patio – okay, all right. Erase – just totally block out what I just said. Okay, so I got it now. Yeah. 779 grandstands and bleachers, 149 for Stadium Club, 80 for patio boxes, 100 for suites, 108 for premium tables. That comes out to a total of 1,208 seats at capacity this year at yep. uh, Russo Park. So – you know, that's – I know we're spoiled, spoiled when it comes to seating capacity, but 1,200 seats in a situation like this for our baseball program may not sound like a lot, but it's not too bad when you really think about it compared to other stadiums. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look around around the country and other conferences just in this state. You know, uh, I mean, we got 1,700 baseball teams in this state that play college baseball. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, I mean, and you go look at there. I mean, I know I, I used to I used to go to Northwestern State. I was actually the, the equipment manager for the Northwestern State baseball team way back in the day. And I say way back in the day. But, um, you know, and even then, I mean, their their capacity back then was 500. Yeah, and I think it might be up to 1500 now, you know, and they might get a couple hundred people. You know, McNeese, McNeese draws a good crowd. I got to give them that. Tulane, man, their crowds, you know, so, so. Of course, you got flagship down the road. Now, you want to start comparing apples to oranges, we can compete with them as far as attendance, but they put 10,000 in the stadium. Right. We're, we're at seven. So, I mean, but if you look at the, attend- the, the, the country attendance that the NCAA puts out each week, we're the first Sunbelt school listed in the top 20. 
We're in the okay. top ten, really. When you yeah, really you think about basically it. top, yeah, basically top ten. I mean, you, know, you got five SEC teams, then a Big Twelve team, maybe another Big Twelve team, and then I think it's us. We're number you know, eight. Us. I think we were number eight in the country in attendance. Yeah, I believe. eight or nine. Yeah. yeah, eight or nine or something like that. I mean, so, I mean we're when sure. it comes to attendance, we're up there with everybody else, which is the reason why the stadium got redone and that helps even more. Um, you know, so when it comes to attendance, you know, I don't, I don't bar. I, I don't bark at it. I mean, people tell me, like, y'all putting anybody in the state? I'm like, go look at the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, go look at the numbers. I mean, ranked in the top 10 in attendance in the country. Right. You know, we're beating teams like Miami, beating teams like North Carolina, beating teams like Stanford, Cal State Fullerton, the ones you hear every year that are, that are in, you know, in college baseball, we're beating those guys hand over fist in attendance. So, I mean, credit to our fan base, man. Got to give it to them, man. They love us. They love some baseball. Well, I know it's obviously difficult this year because not every fan's going to be able to attend. I know there's been a, yeah. you know, there was a little bit of, not drama, but there, I'm sure there was a little bit of um, disappointment for a lot of fans who unfortunately couldn't get in this season um, based on, like I said, the RCAF hierarchy. But, you know, rules are rules. You kind of have to, unfortunately, um, you know, you got you to gotta play with the cards you're dealt with, especially this year. Yeah, and kind of on touch on that a little bit. I mean, the the university didn't want to make this decision. You know, the university did not make this decision. Uh, the state came in and said that they had to do what they had to do. Uh, the fire marshal and the CDC, you know, is telling the state kind of this is how it's, this is how it's going to be. And I know people get frustrated and they don't want to hear all that. They want to go watch baseball, and, you know, because it's outside, and I get that. At the same time, the university as a whole has guidelines it has to follow for events. And some of those guidelines is you can't have more than so many people in a stadium, you know, and that, that's that's given to us by the governor uh, and his office, and that's we have to follow that. Mm-hmm. So I think the athletic department did a great job on how they 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 did this they we knew it was going to be tough i wasn't even expecting to get tickets honestly i didn't even think i was going to make the cut uh, or even get a phone call honestly um you know and i was i was coming to jesus with that at the same time i voiced my own opinion about the way it was being handled to rcaf and they t- I understand they have to tell me what they have to tell me. That's their job. And I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus over there because they, 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 they do work hard um, to try to please everybody they can. And it's it's a tough job. And I, I wouldn't want that job, honestly. I wouldn't want to be in that position to tell someone yes or no. You know, you can go, but you can't. You know, that that's that's a hard thing to do. And give credit to them. You know, it, Brian Maggot, his staff, the ticket office, their staff, um, uh, RCAF and their staff, a lot of sleepless nights. I guarantee you, a lot of sleepless nights. And for them to come up with a plan may not be the best plan, but we may not all agree on this plan. But it's the plan, and we gotta we gotta go with what they say. So maybe if they loosen up some of these guidelines, things change, and people will be able to get you know their tickets you know later on. But for right now, we're just no pun intended, Jerry. But we gotta play ball. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it's absolutely right. And, you know, the good news is even if you can't attend the game, you can listen on radio. You radio, know, you got, ESPN you got, Plus, buy your yeah. subscription. It's five ninety nine a month. 
Uh, if you get the Disney bundle, I'm going to tell you, if anybody's listening to this that, that has Hulu Live, if you, bundle, if you bundle the Disney Plus package, you actually get a $7.99 credit instead of $12.99, which means you get ESPN Plus for free. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. So uh, I bundled Disney Plus with Hulu Live. So I got the ESPN Plus basically for free. Same so, here. No, I, just, I did the know. same thing. Yeah. It comes so, in handy. It does. It comes in handy. And a lot of the, I think the first nine games that we have are going to be on ESPN Plus. You know, right. I think all three this weekend, Louisiana Tech and LSU for sure. And I'm not sure about the next weekend. Um, but be on the lookout for all that. I mean, I'll, you know, obviously I'll share when I get it uh, to, the, to the fan page. And if you're not following the fan page, um, if you are want to join the fan page, there's two questions you have to answer in order to get in. Um, and if you answer them correctly, you get in. So try to weed out the ISIS and the riffraff that try to that try to infiltrate my page. Uh, but, uh, we don't want no trolls on that page, man. Yeah, we don't want no trolls, and we've kicked some people off because of that. So uh, I monitor it on a daily basis. Uh, Miss Tina does a great job with it too. Uh, she monitors it as well. She she even call me sometimes and asks me, "Hey, what do you think about this?" I'm like. I don't know what you think. She goes, I'm not. And I was like, well, maybe we shouldn't post it. And, <laughs> you know, um, there's a sports writer in town that I, he's going to rename nameless, but posted, tried to post something about one of the players a couple of years ago that got in some trouble and I wouldn't post it. And he was asking why. And I told him why I said, the page is, this is not a negative page. And I said, if you're going to keep sending me stuff to, to put up there about that, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to approve it. And I kicked him out. So, um, it's all about information, you know, tickets, information on the team, information that the athletic department puts out, um, you know, things of that nature. So if anybody wants to go follow it, uh, it's raging Cajun, uh, Louisiana's raging Cajun baseball's fan page had to change the name when the baseball page went live for Facebook. So it was kind of, everybody was getting confused. So, (laughs) Well, that's great. And of course, you do a fantastic job. Very active on that page. Of course, I'm a member and a lot of other Cajun fans are members. I actually posted a video the other day. Um, I, I keep that around sometimes, the uh, seventh inning stretch. I was at the cooking club and I recorded it. And, and that was a game where it was a big crowd. And just, you know, of course, we've got the best, look, we've got the best seventh inning stretch in all of baseball. Oh, okay. Absolutely. No question. And and when you know when you're in a, when you host a regional and you see your visiting team, your opponent, get out the dugout and look around, yeah. that that's when you know it's like wow, that's something special and it's something we created, you know, as a, as yeah. a fan base. Um, there, uh, I would, there's there's a Twitter page called a uh, College Baseball Nation, I think it is, and they 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 do like they're not D one they're not like D one baseball they're a little bit different, but they had like their projections on the field of 64. They did like a tournament of best uniforms. They, they, they p- tweeted something one day. What is the best seventh inning stretch in college baseball? <laughs> I mean, hello. question. <laughs> yeah. You know, they did a poll on that. I think we would win. So, um, that's just me, but they, you know, they kind of do that kind of stuff. It's all fun and games, all fun and games. Not even close, not even close. So, uh, Real quickly, before we let you go, Chico, let's um, talk a little bit about the uh, the stadium guidelines uh, this year. And uh, I think it'll be important for both you and me, uh, as well as any other Cajun fan that, that will be attending this year. So 
For those who um, went to football games or basketball games, uh, mainly the rules include wearing a mask anytime you're in the concourse area. Um, unless you're, if, if you're sitting by a family member, um, usually you want to keep six feet distant from, um, from, from other spectators. Um, all workers will be wearing masks. I know uh, stadium gates and parking will open one hour prior to game time, just like the Cajun field for football like games. Football, yeah. And the big thing is, is for tickets. Uh, you can either get your mobile tickets on your phone, where they scan your, your phone when you go into the game, or you can order them through the Cajun Dome. Uh, right. And I did get word yesterday that tick, if you did get tickets, you can, you can download them to your phone now. Or you can go to the dome to pick them up. They'll print them out for you over there. Um, so that is that is going on as we speak. And if, when this airs, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but if they haven't gotten them yet, uh, we did put it out. I did put it out on the, on the fan page as well. Um, but you can go get your tickets now. Okay. That's important. Yes, definitely important. And, uh, and also- I, do, I do suggest everyone try to do the mobile ticket that way if they want to, um, you know, we're old school, you and I, I like to actually yeah. have the ticket in my hand, you know, you can do that too, you know, but the mobile way is they, they trying to push that a little bit more nowadays. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, now for those of you who have, um, children, if they're a member of the young raging Cajuns club, unfortunately they will not be able to utilize their passes for free admission this season. Um, it's pretty much straightforward. If you are, RCAF member and you have season tickets and you're high on the priority list, you get tickets. Uh, individual game tickets, unless I'm assuming sold in like Ticketmaster in the secondary market, there are probably no uh, individual game tickets available. Uh, the university will probably announce that if there are. Um, parking, general admission parking is right across the street from Russo Park, of course, uh, kind of in between uh, Cajun Field and Russo Park, that big open gravel lot. That'll be open. There's a few spots for parking passes. Um, golf cart shuttles will be available on game day to transport patrons. Uh, look for a man by the name of Mike DeLome. He is the super fan. He'll probably <laughs> get you, get, get you to ride you with the golf, golf cart. cart. No doubt about it. And, uh, of course, um, concession stands, um, prepackaged food and drinks. Condiments will be packaged or prepackaged. Social distancing will be necessary to stand in line. Um, and, uh, oh, and here's, here's the good thing though. Alcohol sales will be permitted inside and, of Russo park. Yes. And I will touch on concessions, uh, right now, because I, I happen to speak to, uh, you know, being working in a union, you get to talk to Sodexo a lot. Um, the concession stands, they'll have a, obviously the main concession stand open selling hot dogs, nachos, peanuts, drinks, that kind of stuff. Uh, Mr. Vic's peanuts will not be sold this year jambalaya shop will not be sold this year due to the guidelines of the pandemic and also there will be some other uh like funnel cakes the pop uh kettle corn the lemonades and that kind of stuff will not be served as well so it's strictly consolidated into one area and they're going to do uh the stadium club as well, they'll have a, a makeshift bar up there and a kind of a buffet style deal. And then I think they said they're going to put some satellite um, stands on the, the loge boxes up at the top. Uh, but other than that, that's really about it. So keep in mind, this was a decision that was made due to 
things with guidelines and all that. So fans, if you're listening, please understand that this was not done deliberately. You know, it was done because of the way things are with the CDC and the state of Louisiana governor's office and all that, that have cracked down to try to keep things kind of confined and out of one area. If yeah, things, so if, what things you, do lo- if things do loosen up, then obviously they will try to bring everything back, you know, on as needed basis basis if if they can be. So just if you if you're out of the Teague and you, you're gonna go to the game, just understand that Mr. Vic's peanuts are not gonna be there and the kettle corn's not gonna be there, but maybe next year. So Right. Well, oh, man, that's that's rough. Uh, yeah. No kettle corn and no Mr. Vic's peanuts. Well, I mean, yeah. look, it, it's like we said, you, you kind of have to play the cards you're dealt with. And, um, you know, I guess I guess it's one of those things where even in the situation we're in, just be thankful we get to have baseball and have a season, let alone right. uh, experience everything we usually experience. And for those wondering, they uh, are uh, they are encouraging everyone to be cashless as well. Uh, to bring credit cards or debit cards. They will have readers at all the locations. Um, so they are not really taking any cash like they would in the past. Um, just keep that in mind as well as you go to get your concessions. Uh, obviously, with social distancing and all that other stuff, Jerry, you talked about that a minute ago. Um, and, and, of course, with all the health and safety regulations, certain vendors and concessions opportunities will not be available. And I just went through those a little while ago. So um, hopefully if it gets altered during the course of the season, we'll see. But first first couple games won't, won't have Mr. Vic's peanuts. Well, also, too, not to mention, uh, based on the CDC and the state of Louisiana guidelines, uh, game day interactive activities, you know, the fast pitch and – Radar gun challenge and the you know anything having to do on field John remember we used to do the John Deere tractor race and any type of event during the games between innings uh, any type of activities or recognitions as well like award ceremonies or anything like that especially especially post game field access that's the big one post game field access will not be permitted this season um, so pretty much anything having to do on the field outside of baseball outside of the game itself will not be permitted. So uh, just want to let fans know in case they bring children, you know, after the game, unfortunately, you can't go on the field um, because of the guidelines. Yeah, no running bases, no throwing the ball around. You just have to – got to go home and do it or go to a park or something, unfortunately. But – yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting year. But you know what? It's it's a season, and and and, you know we we went through it with football, and ironically, we celebrated the most successful football season in in. UL football history. So, um, and then of course with basketball, obviously the environment's a lot different in the Cajun Dome, but we have a basketball season. So we'll get through this with baseball. Uh, I know uh, I wanted to touch base a little bit before you go with softball as well. Now softball, uh, unfortunately with the weather we've had and the situations we've had, uh, nine games, nine games have been postponed to start our season. Uh, and of course next week will be the first game against McNeese. Um, now did you have tickets to softball as well? Yes, I did. I did get softball tickets as well. Yes. So I won both lotteries. I was very fortunate for that. So, and before anybody says anything, no, I didn't make any phone calls. I didn't try to, (laughs) I didn't try to, you know, sell myself and say, Hey, I need tickets. No, I, I, I did not. 
I was waiting on the call and I got the call. So before anybody said, well, Chico got two, because how come I didn't? You know, if I was to put that out there, Chico did not make any calls to get his tickets. <laughs> you know, right? I didn't I didn't call in any favors or anything like that. So I was in the lottery just like everybody else. And I just I got calls. So I don't know. Maybe I donate to the RCAF. It it works out. I would let it slide for you, though. I don't know. You are a super fan when it comes to the diamond sports, but not everybody thinks like me either, right? Right, uh, right. But, um, yeah, so with softball, uh, I would assume, I'm pretty sure the same rules apply at at, um, at, Lamson, at Lamson Park, at uh, Yvette yeah. Gerard Field. You know, social distance, limited on concessions, certain parking designations. Um, and, and just I just want to tell the fans, and Chico, you can sort of reiterate it, you know, just follow the rules. You know, at this point, after what happened last season, we saw what it's like to not have college baseball for a while. It was pretty depressing. You know, we're, we're getting another shot at it. And I think things are starting, you know, we got the vaccine out now. People are getting vaccinated. Uh, the immunity's really starting to grow with people getting COVID. Unfortunately, sometimes, you know, less fortunate than others. But, you know, the, the people are, I guess society's starting to adjust to it. So, you know, it's 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 a walk before you crawl. I mean, a crawl before you walk type mantra where, you know, we're just I'm just happy to have baseball. And even though it's not the most normal experience, it's still an experience, like you said, where we can just sit in the stadium and watch a baseball game in spite of it not being a sellout, you know? Right. Well, Chico, uh, man, we had a good talk today. A great segment. Thank you so much for coming on. Anything else you wanted to add before we let you go? No, man, just I appreciate you guys uh, letting me come on. And I think this is, you know, which I'll do is great getting the word out to everybody and uh, looking forward to see people at the tee that I hadn't seen in a long time and and over at softball. And look, follow these teams on social media. Uh, if you don't have the ESPN Plus app or the uh, subscription, please subscribe because a lot of the games will be televised. Um, and then also, you know, let's uh, let's be patient. Okay, yeah. let's be patient on everything as things start to open back up. You know, just be patient. And as always, go Cajuns. Go Cajuns. So I'll leave real it quickly, at that. Real quickly, give me your prediction for both baseball and softball. Softball, good chance College World Series, uh, possible uh, national championship run. Uh, baseball, I would definitely say I think we're a regional team. Uh, it would depend on where we're seated uh, for okay. baseball. I think it would be dependent on where we're seated. Uh, I, I see us as a three seed, you know, with the team that we have. Uh, we could possibly very well be a two seed, depending on how the season goes. But I think we're a regional team, and then it's all about seeding after that for baseball. But I think softball is going to make a hell of a run. Uh, those girls girls are good, man. God, yes. dog, those girls are good. And they, uh, I think they're going to make a, a deep run into the, into the College World Series. So we'll see. I think – I think it all depends with the girls of what they get in the circle. Uh, of course, yeah. summer being summer, um, but they've got some they've got some pitchers behind her that are really legitimate and they are good. And I think uh, if they can get a game played, I think they're going to be dangerous. And I, th- I really I'm with you. I think they they make the run for Oklahoma City this season. Um, they finally have depth in the circle. They've always had the bats. They just never had the depth for pitching. They have that this year. I think they're going to make it to Oklahoma City. And from there, I mean, the sky's the limit. No telling. You know. No telling. You know, baseball, um, I'll take baby steps. I think they have a winning season this year. I think, you know, we haven't had a winning season since 2018. Um, 
wasn't as fortunate in 2019 last year. We, the, the season got cut short. We were under 500. I think we have a winning season this year. I think we come with, I, I honestly think we're going to be on the verge of a regional. Um, if it's not making it to at least the conference tournament final, or at least winning the tournament, I think we're still going to be very close. Um, I can see this team being very similar to the 2015 team. Um, You know, new faces, but still found a way to win, still found a way to grind. And, you know, as time went on, they got better and better, and they learned how to finish like they did in 2015. I think this team can be very similar, and not because of uh, lack of talent or lack of anything or they're replacing anything. I just think this team – coming together as a team as a unit uh they're going to be finding ways to win as the season goes on and i think i'm hoping that this team can gel at the right time because if they can gel at the right time they're going to be very dangerous yeah very dangerous and for the conference tournament uh it's noted that all the teams will make it this year for the baseball conference tournament so i think the coaches voted on that uh over the over the summer and uh just this year i think it's going to be the only year you know due to the Corona and all that, that they're going to allow all the teams in the conference to play in the conference tournament. Okay. And that's going to be held in Montgomery, uh, Alabama this year. So, yes. Plenty trip. All right. Well, it should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Chico, once again, my man, thank you so much for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, Cajun Nation, this is the father of Section A, Mr. Chico Rodriguez, diehard Cajuns fan, and we thank you for bringing it every day to the Teague, man. And, and and pretty much thank you for what you do for the university. Um, you know, you've been around a while, and, you know, your your love for this school and this these programs really mean a lot. And, uh, you know, you're a great ambassador to this school and this fan base. So thank you for what you do, and thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for those kind words, Jerry. I appreciate it. And uh, it's, all about, it's all about the UL. You know, yes, I- sir. I do what Cajun I do for them. So. Well, that sounds great, man. See you at the Teague, and Cajun Nation will be right back after this. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Award Master, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Award Master creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, 
acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review trust Award Masters for all of their needs, and you will too. Award Masters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Award Masters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Award Master, the recognition and personalization experts. Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. PSC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store of the Rage and Review podcast. PSC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. PSC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying PK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see what Willie and the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com. And, you know, in the last segment, Jerry sat down with the phenomenal slash fearless leader of Section A, Chico Rodriguez. And, you know, Jerry, Chico had a lot to say about baseball and you know the the season that we're about to get into today is first pitch is in about three hours uh from when we're recording this segment you know i'll ask you what are your thoughts on 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 this baseball season and this baseball team yeah it's like i told chico um you know if we can start from where we or pick up from where we left off last year when we ended the season with winning six out of seven games um I think the sky's the limit for this team. Uh, I don't expect this team to showcase what we saw in 2014, but I do expect this team to be competitive. I actually expect this team to finish better than their preseason pick at number three in the West. Um, I actually expect us to win the West um, or the Sunbelt West. Uh, I expect us to compete and at least try to get as close as possible to uh, the conference tournament final that will allow us to play in a regional. Um, the schedule looks very friendly for that. It's a tough schedule, but if you're able to win some of these games that are on our schedule against some good quality competition, uh, I think we can get some looks. Uh, I think uh, our pitching is probably the deepest we've had in a very long time. Um, you have a full year under the Matt Deggs hitting system. 
you sort of got all of the emotional kinks out the way last year with everything with Coach Robe and and just kind of having you know you know like I told Chico a lot of firsts are finished now. There's no first game without Coach, first this without Coach, and you know as much as we miss Coach, um, you know, and as much as we'll always remember Coach Robe, and as much as we'll always honor number 36, uh, I think you know it's more accepted that his spirit is still there. And it's not as much, uh, of course, it's always going to be sadness because we miss the man. But also, I think now the players have gotten a lot of that emotional stuff out of the way to where they can focus on baseball. And they have a full year to focus on baseball now. So um, I think this team can be very competitive. I think there's potential for, um, you know, Cajun baseball to be Cajun baseball. Grinders, uh, fighters, guys that don't quit and just... um, a win now type attitude. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, first pitch today at 2 p.m. from New Orleans against a very talented two-lane group. Uh, you know, they're throwing a preseason All-American and Brendan Altoff today. Uh, the Cajuns going with a true freshman and Hayden Dirk be his first action in Vermilion and White. Uh, you know, Hayden, I know you, I know you follow the the pod on Twitter. I don't know if you're going to listen to this book before the game, but very simple. Go out there and get it done, man. Uh, you know, clearly the the hype is real if he's starting his first game for the Cajuns. But, you know, en- enough about baseball. You and Chico talked a lot about it in the last segment. Let's get into some basketball now, uh, you know, especially from, from the men's point of view. You know, last weekend – you had a two-game set with Monroe. Um, you know, the the first game Thursday night at the Cajun Dome did not go the Cajuns' way at all, losing 72-66. to 66. Um, The Cajuns only shot about 35% from the field, uh, and it was Monroe's first win in 11 games. They were on a 10-game losing streak. They'd only won four games all year long uh, before, before that game. But then, you know, Saturday in Monroe – Jerry, the Cajuns look like a different ball team. Like, yeah. completely, completely different. I mean, Malik Wilson looked more like himself. He, has, he hasn't really played like himself lately. Uh, he, put, he contributed 20 points. Ty Harper, the four-star freshman from California, he contributed 19. You know, young guys stepped up in big ways. And really, from start to finish, it was the Cajuns' ball game. Well, yes. I mean, and, 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 you know, that game summed up what should have happened on Thursday as well. Um, you know, I've always said with this program, there's always sometimes one step forward, two steps back. And right now where, you know, we're coming to a close for the regular season going into tournament play, we need to be as hot as possible and, and we need to be clicking. Um, and I find that that game on Thursday night was a huge step backwards. Uh, but luckily, the team responded on Saturday on the road. Um, I mean, it was just domination from start to finish. And you got to see guys, younger guys, step up like Ty Harper, who had, what, uh, 19 points? Yeah. And he was he was five for five on threes. I mean, you know, that's the type of young talent that we know that this team has and that they're capable of playing with. And that's always been sort of my issue. You know, the other night, uh, on Thursday night, you know, Coach Marlin said after the game, you know, we're shorthanded. You know, no, no, no more AU, no more butts. Um, you know, they were both out, but then all of a sudden you see a guy like Ty Harper come in and just do what he did. 
And, you know, the it makes me wonder, you know, where was this Thursday night? Um, And I think what I saw on Saturday just showed me like this is what the team has been capable of all along. And yet we still see inconsistency. Um, But I thought it was a great turn in the right direction. I thought the Saturday game was much needed. Um, But you cannot lose to teams that are four and 15 with 10 game losing streaks especially if you want to be on the top echelon of your conference. I mean, look, you're going to have bad games, but you can't create this pattern where you go on this three-game losing skid to teams that are under 500 in your conference that you you really need to beat. You need to beat these teams. You cannot get swept at Arkansas State. You cannot lose to a 4-15 and Monroe team and all of a sudden try to be, you know, try to seed yourself in a higher seat for the conference tournament because in my mind, we still got four games left before the tournament, but at the same time, we need to position ourselves to get ready for the tournament. And losing to Monroe does not help that. Um, but I'm glad that they responded that way. I hope that what we saw on Saturday continues. Um, but that's yet to be seen. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, you know, this week's games for both the men and the women, uh, the women has been canceled uh, I haven't heard that about the men's games with um, – was it was Arlington this weekend, was it not? Correct, UT Arlington because of the yeah. weather. Right, between, between the weather here and the weather in Dallas, um, there, there was just no possible way to get the teams to either location safely. So uh, they, they decided – like I said, I think the word is still postponed on the men's games. Um. But from what I've heard, from what I've understand, the the women's game is is canceled. You know, Jerry. One thing I want to talk about. You know, we're talking about shorthanded issues and whatnot. Um, you know, Kobe Julian is supposed to be coming back here. You know, any time now for for Bob Marlin's team. But one thing I've kind of heard some people talking about is him coming back. You know, obviously he hasn't played all year. So there could be a uh, you know a rust factor with him. One thing one thing that I've heard people say is that him coming back could actually hurt the Cajuns. Do you agree or disagree? Well, the problem is we don't know how healthy he's going to be. I mean, we know how talented he is. Um, the issue is that this is year number three of him having major injuries. So. The question is, if he gets back in, we know his capability, but is he going to be 100% health-wise? And, and is his health going to be, you know, or his injury going to be a detriment to what his potential is? You know, um, that's my big concern. We know he's a presence. We know he's really good, but he's injury-prone. So you have someone coming in with four games left in the season who has dealt with season-long injuries for three years now. Um, the question is, can he come in and do what he's capable of doing? I, I don't know. I, we don't know the answer to that. Uh, we do know what he's capable of. We do know that he's a very talented player. But if you're going to come in towards the end of the season with those type of injuries and that type of vulnerability, it it's very – I mean, it's almost like you're playing with fire, you know? Yeah. Um, like, like, yeah, he, he's definitely a presence. I mean, the kid was class 3A MVP. In, in high school and, you know, in, in the few games that we've seen him in a Cajun's uniform, he's put up monster numbers. But like you said, you know, how how healthy is he really? And 
can he get in a rhythm fast enough to be a contributor in the tournament? That I don't know. That's yet to be seen. And that's, you know, and I see why people may say there's there's a little bit of hesitation to determine whether or not he can step up and do that. Well, right, because, you know, the, the, the team's been playing together all year. They're, they're kind of starting to mold. You know, they're, they're getting a rhythm together, you know, this, that, and the other. But the problem is, is that as good as Kobe Julian might be, throwing him in the mix could throw everything off. No, that's exactly right, and that's my point. You know, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, it's it, you, you are taking a little bit of a risk there, um, especially, again, for somebody who's been injured for three straight years. You know, this isn't no, you know, I was hurt for five or six games and now I'm trying to get adjusted again. I mean, this is three seasons where he has had season-long injuries. That's, yes. you know, I, so that's where I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little hesitant. And again, I know he's got potential. He's a great player, but... How much will those injuries affect him? We we we're, we're about to find out, I guess. <laughs> right, yeah. And you know, uh, talking about the women real quick, what a what a display they've put on recently. Starting one and five, and now they've won eleven straight games to be first place in the Sun Belt. You know, that just goes to show you the the resiliency of this program and the ability to overcome adversity, you know, with, with everything they've gone through in, in the last couple of years, you know, with the death of coach Broadhead's wife and you know, so on and so forth. But to, they've looked like a totally different program as well. At the beginning of the year, you kind of thought, uh, you know, another middle of the road season, but then they they got deep into conference and they got on this run and now it's like, well, you know, now what? But when you click, you click. And I feel like this team is starting to click. And that's what's important. Um, you know, they've clicked for eleven straight games. They have they broke a school record for most straight wins, I believe. Yeah. Uh, in their win streaks. Um and of course Coach Gary, you know, he's dealt with his he's had his share of injuries and he's had his shares of adversity and uh, the way the team has responded to all of that, in spite of starting the season one and five, to pull off eleven straight, I mean that's that's unreal. And um, you know to have a shot at winning the conference and going to the tournament, I mean that's huge. So hopefully the girls can continue this streak and and just start clicking and and continue on with their success. But very very happy for Coach Broadhead and those and those girls. They're they're playing hard. Yeah, absolutely. And you know there's only a few games left. In the season, I think the I think the conference tournament's three weeks from now, um, so definitely time to start. You know, either continue clicking or get clicking. You know, sure. whichever scenario, whichever scenario you're in. But uh, definitely promise right now for both programs. It was a big win for the men last weekend. Hopefully, they can continue to to build upon that. And then for the women, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you got to do what happened. But what happened with 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 um, with with the Monroe game, uh, the men's team winning the other day was a huge step forward. Um, but you know, now you got to continue that. You know, you can't you can't have a game like that and then go lose to to Little Rock or Arlington. You know, um, and and 
set yourself up for for disappointment. So I think continuing on what they're doing, playing the way they've been playing, um, yeah, they, they need to if they do what they did on, on Saturday against Monroe, I think they have uh, they have a legitimate chance of of making a small run because they've got the team to do it and they've got the talent to do it. No more, no more. Uh, look, I know I understand they have injuries. But those guys in the, on the bench have some have some pretty ta- deep talent, uh, especially in this conference, you know. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see next week. We'll see starting starting. I think they might be rescheduling the Arlington game, um, but if not, definitely against Little Rock. If you haven't had the chance to look at it yet, you should go to our Twitter page and check out the preview of the baseball season that Mr. Austin Ladd wrote for us. Uh, he's a, he's a UL grad, aspiring sports writer. Uh, he reached out to us wondering if, if he could put together a baseball preview for us. And he did a phenomenal job. Uh, we, we posted it to the Twitter page yesterday afternoon. So if you haven't gotten the chance to look at that, go check that out. Big thanks to Austin for, for contributing that for us. And, uh, you know, Jerry, there, there's a different buzz in the air when it's when it's baseball and softball season. Absolutely. You know, th- this year is going to be a little different uh, because of obviously because of COVID nineteen. Um, what's the word? Attendance numbers are going to yes. be at a historic low for yes. uh, for the Teague. Uh, what would they say? Grandstands and bleachers, eight hundred. Yeah, grandstand and bleachers will be 800. Uh, the rest of the seating will be about close about to 400. Each. Yeah, so yeah, about, about 1,200, 1,300 a game. About 1,200 a game, including staff members, so about 1,300 altogether, which actually isn't bad when you think about it. Um, no, but, that's, but it's, that's, way it's, less, that's way less than what we're used to. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, it would be about 1,200 total. And, um, you know, I mean, look, I, I, it's like Chico and I discussed. I mean, it's going to be different. But at the same time, it's this or no baseball. Right. Uh, we saw what it was like with no baseball last year, and it and it it kind of sucked. Kind <laughs> um, of, kind of uh, is an understatement. Yeah. So so uh, you know, look, I know we're still trying to get adjusted with COVID. Uh, you know, we, like I said, vaccinations are increasing. You know, for the first time in a long time, or first time ever, uh, more vaccinations have been given than cases in Louisiana. So that that's a step in the right direction, right? Um, so hopefully. Those number, those numbers and trends continue, and um, you know more people are getting immune to it, to where uh, hopefully the um, the severity of it continues to decrease, and uh, we can sort of get a sense of normality coming back. Yeah, uh, I, I read a statistic when we're talking about the COVID nineteen stuff. Nearly twenty percent of the state has been vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, I know many people that have been vaccinated, uh, and I know many Very people that have gotten it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a step in the right direction and hopefully, um, you know, come football season, uh, we can start saying that you can have more people in the stadium and we're going to be doing more things that are sense, like I said, uh, uh, brings more of a sense of normality to, to the table. You but know, I really wouldn't be surprised if they up attendance numbers for baseball. Well, I don't know if they can change it. That's the only question. Can they change it? Can they change the rules in the middle of the season, especially now that tickets have been given out? You know, um, that's I mean, that's. I, the I, I guess I guess you would just go to sell single game. Right. That's that, and I think that's would be that would be the 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 choice here. Um, you know, so yeah, uh, pe- people would just have to buy single game tickets, which I mean is a pain, but I mean, 
if you want to go to the game, you know, it, it's it's an option for sure. Right. But I just yeah, no, I I definitely I definitely get what you're saying. By football season, I would I would venture to say that number should be close to normal. Yeah, I mean, even if it's half the stadium, you know, um, I mean, going from twenty-five to fifty percent, that would that would even be a step up. That'd be huge, yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, I'm with yeah, you on this, that. This was this was the first year, and as long as I can remember, that I didn't attend a football game. Yeah, it, it's it's it was odd this year. I, I had the chance to go to all of them, but it was it was weird. It was weird having a very empty stadium, especially first time being nationally ranked. You know. But yeah. at the same time, you you got to meet halfway. If you want sports, you know, sometimes you got to play by those right. rules, which is fine with me. I, I you know, I better bet it's always better safe than sorry. So, um, you know, with baseball, I do want to tell fans out there: look, if you can't go to a game, um, you know, there's many. I mean, I know you can only go to half the games, but if there are games you can't go to, you know, just I mean, if there's people out there who want tickets, you know, I know we only allow certain percentage of people in the game or in the stadium but you know give your tickets away to certain games yeah, you can't go you, you know you can't make it give tickets away there's a I, high demand I will, a, I will put a disclaimer out to all rage and review listeners you can't make a game direct message me on twitter I will <laughs> take your right right i right. will take your tickets right exactly so um yeah because like I said, I, I didn't make a football game. I haven't made a basketball game. And unless I'm given tickets or given the opportunity to purchase tickets, I'm probably not going to make a baseball game either. Yeah. So, and as as a diehard Cajuns fan, it's not easy. But also, I understand that, you know, you sacrifice games for one year and people do what they're supposed to do by next year, life's back to normal. Right. Right. So you gotta you gotta be willing to just make that sacrifice sometimes. But, sure. but that's gonna just about do it for this episode of Rage and Review. Jerry, anything else before we uh before we shut this down and head to the house? No, man. Um, continue watching basketball, uh, yeah. of course, and continue. Softball starts tomorrow as well. I thought that the games got postponed, but they do get they do they just got or canceled. I'm sorry, the games got canceled at the UAB tournament, but they do play tomorrow. So, you know, sure. tune into tune into softball, and of course, uh, today at two o'clock, let's play ball. It's game time. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Let's let's play some Cajun baseball, and and looking forward to it. Absolutely. Two o'clock on ESPN plus from Tulane in New Orleans. Um, I don't know about the rest of the games for the weekend. I know today's on ESPN plus and I think tomorrow's softball games are on ESPN plus as well. Uh, if not, you can always go to the host university's website and I'm, you can probably find a stream uh, for the broadcast. Jerry, appreciate you joining me as always, man. Uh, Cajun Nation, we appreciate we appreciate y'all. Uh, stay safe, wear a mask, and we will talk to you guys next week. As always, good Cajuns.